Welcome to episode seven of I Quit Blank and Started Running, a podcast featuring people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives. Join me each week as I share inspiring stories of where they started, what it was that made them want to change, how running factored in, and where they are today. I am your host, Antonia De Heinrich, and I am excited to announce that this podcast is now available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts, which is probably where you are listening today. When you get a minute, I would love it if you could subscribe, and if you're so inclined, leave me a rating and review. It would mean the world to me and my amazing guests who are all willing to share their stories with you. My guest today is Suzanne, a 46-year-old badass from Harmony, New Jersey. When I came across Suzanne's story, it was the before and after pictures that made me do a double take. I needed something to hope for. I needed something to, to hold on to. I needed something for me not to come home and drink a fifth of vodka. And so I would come home and I would lace up my sneakers and I would go outside and I just immediately, I felt like a completely different person. You know, when I got on that open road, it was like all of that melted away. And I didn't think about my drinking. I didn't think about the self-disappointment that came with me trying to quit drinking. I just, it, I just became a, another person. And so really it, 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 it changed who I was internally toward outwardly. I mean, not only did it change my body, but it changed something within me. Her transformation is truly mind blowing and I can't wait to have her share her story with you. Here's Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for joining me today on my seventh episode of I Quit Blank and Started Running. I just want to jump in with a quick introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly am excited to, to be here and speak with you. Um, my name is Suzanne Swanson. I am from a little town called Harmony, Harmony Township, New Jersey. Um, which uh, is outside of uh, Phillipsburg, New Jersey, which is uh, the northwest part of Jersey. So I, I live out in the country, so to speak. Um, I'm a nurse. I'm a full-time nurse. Uh, I work at a endoscopy center where I uh, prep people for their procedures or I wake them up from their procedures, either one. Um, and that's what I do. Great. Uh, yeah, you must be pretty busy where you are right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long haul to get there. We had some time off, which um, doesn't usually happen in our field of uh, mm -hmm. those types of procedures, but we, we're managing and, you know, our priority is to keep everyone safe. So we'll, right. we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. So when was your most recent run and how did it go? Well, um, yesterday, <laughs> I basically run, um, I, I run about five to six times a week, uh, usually, I usually take a day or two off depending on how I feel. Um, I'm really trying to work on some hill repeats uh, to get my body stronger. Um, this time of the year is, is tough for me because we're dealing with the weather change. So I'm a cold weather runner. So to acclimate into the heat and the mugginess, um, sometimes gives me a little bit of a challenge. So I'm working on um, trying to just really push it through those hills that I'm, that I'm 
attempting to, to run up without gasping for breath. Actually, it went pretty well. Um, I find that I'm really gaining a lot of strength. Um, I do some weight training on the side, so I'm really trying to focus not so much on time when I do these workouts, um, when I'm trying to acclimate my body to, okay, what's the goal today? Yesterday's goal was to, to do the hill repeat. So it went way better than I expected for the heat. You know, the, the heat is a killer here this week in New Jersey. It's in, it's in the 90s. So, yeah, you know, that makes it a little bit tough, but. So you, you're, you'd start working pretty early. Do you run before you work then? Um, sometimes I run in, oh, only on the weekends do I really get a chance to um, run in the morning. Otherwise, I, I do everything at night because I, I, I start work so early. Occasionally, yeah. I will go out in the morning. Um, this time of year is great because this, you know, it's light out. And where I am, it's very, very dark and desolate. We have a lot of dark country roads, so they're not well lit. Um, so it's, it's pretty much impossible to do that in the winter, but this time of the year to get a quick three miler in, or, a, you know, just to go out and blow out your lungs for two miles can easily be done before I go. But, but normally I do everything when I get home, except for the weekends is, you know, when I do my longer runs. Well, kudos to you. I could not probably do what you're doing all day and then try and go out for <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes you have to talk yourself into that when you when you just want to come home and you know flop on the couch it's it, that it, you do you have to look yourself in the mirror and say you know shut up and go get your sneakers and just do it good for you well um you didn't really find your running calling until your early 30s is that right that's correct yep so tell us what uh, your life was like up until you decided to take on that 18-mile race. Well, um, growing up, I, I was never an athletic kid. Um, I was never good in gym class. I was the last one to finish that one-mile god-awful run that every gym teacher on this planet made us do. Um, I, you know, I played a little bit of softball in my... Uh, grammar school years, but I, I truly wasn't athletic, and I didn't believe um, that I was even capable of, of being athletic. Um, I was a chunky kid. I grew up in a, in a household where, you know, we probably had the snacks in the house that we shouldn't have. Um, you know, we, I guess you could say we, I ate way more processed food as a kid. I drank, definitely we had soda in the house, which is something I, I don't do here in my own home, but growing up we had soda. Um, so I, I really was not um, a healthy kid by any means. Um, I was stocky. Um, I had very, very low self-esteem. Um, I was always that kid that kind of was always looking around, just trying to fit in somewhere. Um, so I really had no athletic ability at all uh, growing up as a, as a child. Um, Were you an only child or um, did you, no. do you have siblings? Nope. I have two brothers, two older brothers, um, and they're quite a bit different in age than myself. Um, they're seven and eight years older than me. Um, so yeah, growing up, I, I, was, I was the baby and I was the only girl and I got blamed for everything. Um, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got blamed for everything. And I also like aspired to, you know, looking back now we joke about it, but you know, I, of course I, I you know, I idolized my brothers when I was a kid. So I wanted to be just like them, you know, and they, these big burly 
you know, pork roll and cheese eating type guys. And so, uh, yeah, definitely, absolutely night and day from, from the person that I am today. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So then, so that's high school. So tell me how it went on after that. Well, you know, incorporating a little bit of my, uh, my backstory with, with my drinking, um, that started fairly young for me, unfortunately. Um, I think in high school, I definitely felt um, inferior. Um, I felt like all the other girls were, you know, of course, the most beautiful, the most, you know, they were cheerleaders, they had these athletic bodies. Um, and so I really, I was probably way more lonely than I ever admitted. Um, and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be asked to go to the field parties and the farm parties and the, you know, the get togethers that my classmates would have. And I always felt like I was kind of just that girl who stood off in the corner and was watching everybody, you know, live this miraculous life. I, and if you can picture it, you know, the town that I live in, it, you know, it's called Harmony and it, it is kind of like that. I mean, the school is very small. Um, sports is, it, it's like that, that small town home feeling, you know, Friday nights are for football, Friday nights are for the lights, Friday nights are for your friends getting together. And so I kind of always felt like I stood in the shadow of that watching everybody else. And so I spent a lot of time um, with my brothers, actually. Um, but I also learned that alcohol, you know, kind of comforted me in, an, in a way that it shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And so I really began, um, you know, an insidious battle, probably starting at the age of 15, I think was, you know, when I, when I can honestly say that I was drinking regularly. So, and then that, that carried through because remember on our, on our initial phone call, you said you didn't look like somebody who typically would drink. You were happily, happily married. You have right. kids, all that. So right. yes, that was a, it, you know, it was kind of like a, my drinking was a, was a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I met my husband when I was 19, I guess, or 19. Yeah, I think 19. And I was still drinking pretty heavily then. Um, and then, you know, he was in the military. He came home from the military. We got married. Um, I had my first child right away. And that kind of, you know, subsided for a little bit. I, I mean, I, I did not drink when I was pregnant, thank God. You know, I stopped drinking for that and kind of really just feeling like, okay, you know, maybe maybe I'm coming home to myself and, and you know, maybe this is my chance to really prove to myself that I am worthy. I'm worth all the love that anybody could give me. And, you know, I had my daughter, which was, you know, a wonderful moment. And I still then, um, I would continue to drink, not, not as much, um, but I definitely knew that in the back of my mind, it was always a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then, you know, as, as the years went on, you know, it was true. It was a very, very big facade. I mean, I had I had everything that you could ever want. You know, I had a nice home, the most loyal, wonderful man, you know, these kids, this picket fence, the dog, the whole nine yards. And yeah. I still continued to just have these inner demons, I guess you could say, of not really truly being able to, to, to lick the bottle. Yeah. So. 
So what was it that made you realize that you needed to make a change? So how, tell me how you got into running and how that changed your life. Well, you know, there, there was two pivotal moments because I, I did it initially um, in 2000, I think it was 2007. You know, my, my dates, I, I always, I'm, time flies so much. You try to like remember the exact date. I believe it was around 2006 or 2007. It was somewhere around there. And I just, um, one day I just, I looked in the mirror and I literally just started sobbing. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. I can't pretend. I was severely, severely overweight. After my second child was born, I gained, you know, upwards of, gosh, 80 some pounds. I mean, I, I it, it was, it was ridiculous. And I just, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, a, you're going to die. I mean, I had, I, I was a nurse, so I kind of, I had the medical background and the wherewithal to know, you know, what happens with your body. And, you know, I knew a lot of medical things that probably a lay person wouldn't know. And I just looked in the mirror and I just started sobbing and said, I cannot live like this anymore. I have to do something. I have to admit that I have a problem. I have to get this addressed and taken care of, and I have to lose this weight. And I can't, I can't, really explain it to you other than something just snapped inside of me. And I, I just said, I'm not looking back. And so that next day I, um, I called a counselor who I had worked with, um, at the hospital. And I said, I'm a mess. I have a drinking problem. I need help. Um, and uh, you know, he, he met me like the next day. He, he was so kind and you know, I talked to him a little bit and I, I joined Weight Watchers actually initially was, was how I um, first started to lose my weight. And then I, you know, I just kind of kept that up and just said, okay, I'm going to start trying to move my body. I'm going to start, you know, jog walking. I'm going to start eating healthy and portioning my food. And, um, and it was hard. It was, you know, the thing with me is I, I'm an all or nothing. I don't do anything simple or probably in the steps that a, and I want to say normal person, but I but hear you. <laughs> you know, a normal person tackles one thing at a time, you yep. know, they say, okay, you should probably quit drinking, but don't stop eating Twinkies. If that's what makes you happy. Like I do everything 150 miles an hour or nothing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the midst of trying to like, do this weight loss and try to figure out how to exercise and try to, you know, stop guzzling airline bottles from my purse and, you know, all these crazy things going on in my head. So I, I started to, to go to the Weight Watcher meetings and I started to like meet people and started to see that life really, it, it can work. Like you can make this progress one day at a time, just like we say in, you know, recovery one day at a time. So I just basically, you know, committed to myself that I was going to do it. And, um, and that's pretty much how I did it. I, I will tell you, I did have a blip in the road. Um, you know, I had lost all the weight and then quit drinking. And then in 2013, I had a relapse, uh, with alcohol. I was still, you know, healthy and running and things like that, but I did, um, I did have a relapse and it took me, you know, four years to get back out of that relapse. Wow. Was it a trigger, like something specific that happened? Um, you don't have to talk about it. I was just no, curious. No, no. That's okay. Um, you know, I, I, 
left my job and I went to another job and I, I, I guess I just met new people. And I think internally, I just wanted to be normal. You know, a lot of people that have ever battled any kind of substance, whatever it is, you know, will tell you that when they're out in a setting, it, the only thing you want to do is feel normal. You don't want to feel like you're the girl at the bar who can't drink or you're, you, you know, you're this, this woman sitting in the room who had a heroin addiction or, mm -hmm. so I think, you know, I just met these new people and I just like in my mind just said, you know what, maybe I can drink again. Maybe so much time has elapsed. Um, I can start over, I can moderate, you know, the biggest uh, BS statement that any addict ever makes to themselves is that you can moderate, which is just not true. Especially if you do everything 150%. Exactly, right, yep. exactly. So, um, you know, all it took was was one glass of wine um, and, and eight years worth of sobriety you know, down the tubes with one oh. of wine and how really progression is so scary. You know, people, they just, they don't understand how, how wildly scary progression is. You think, okay, it's been eight years. I'm fine. I, I can have a glass of wine. And you know, I could for like one or two days, I had one or two glasses of wine. And then of course the old demon just comes right back up and says, no, you need, you need another glass and another glass and another glass. And so that kind of spiraled this four year um, relapse, which was kind of very interesting because, you know, at that point I had really considered myself an avid runner and, you know, trying to, to run through drinking. I don't really recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so when, so let's go back to your first, um, at your first round of quitting. So is that when you, so your sister, in law was the one who suggested running correct she actually um they they used to go to lbi all the time and she was down there for something and she had uh i think saw a little article about this uh you know commemorative 18 mile run coming up in long beach island and um when i saw her next she said oh sue there's a there's an 18 mile run coming up you should do it and she was kidding <laughs> she didn't she knows who she's talking to yes she does she I, you know she was kidding she's like oh yeah you should run down the island and i thought of, i couldn't get it off my mind and i thought gosh i should run down that island right <laughs> you know i've never run a day in my life but i mean really because when i you know when i entered my weight loss journey i had been like you know fast walking and i might have jogged a couple steps and you know never ever in a million years could, I couldn't run to my mailbox, it, really. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't run to the end of my driveway without gasping for air. And then your first race is an 18-miler. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yes. so tell me about your training for that. Did you, like, download a training plan? Did you have a coach? Like, how did that go? No. So I just, um, I utilized my cousin. Um, my cousin uh, is a is a huge athlete and a big runner, you know, multi triathloner, Ironman, the whole thing. So I had called him and I had said, you know, I, I'm going to attempt to, to, uh, to run this 18 miles. And, and he said, okay. Did is that really what he said? Okay. Or what was his oh, real reaction? Yeah, yeah, no, he said, okay. Um, <laughs> did you ever hear a couch to 5k? And I said, 
Yeah, no, no, but I I want to do couch to eighteen miles. How do I how do I do that? How do I do that? <laughs> so he, um, he really just you know he he's he's a great guy and he's like yeah you can do anything. I mean so supportive. He never said Suzanne you can't do it, and really he didn't he didn't want me to overinvest in a piece of paper that tell, told me that I had to run a certain amount of time, you know, he said, just go get a pair of sneakers and just go outside and start running until you can't run anymore. And then the next day, try to go a little farther and then, you know, see how your body feels and then call me and then we'll talk about it. And, you know, so he basically just, that's really how it went. Honest to God, I had no official training. I, you know, he told, this is what he said. He said, during the week, go out there and do some short stuff try to run fast, you know, if you can for, for a minute or two and then slow down. And on Sunday, go out, go out and, you know, do something long. I mean, it really wasn't, it, it, there was nothing set in stone. So I kind of just really, that's what I did. I bought, um, you know, I laugh about this now, but I went to like, I don't know where it was. I think it was like Kohl's or something. And I hear, I'm thinking, oh my, like, I'm already classifying myself as a runner, which is hilarious. Like <laughs> I'm going to the shoe department and Kohl's like, where are the running shoes? You know, like. These qualify as running shoes. <laughs> so funny. So I bought this like cheap pair of sneakers and, and then that's what I did. I just, I, I went out, I didn't, I didn't even have like a real watch. I just, I went outside and I just started running down the road. And I, you know, initially I got, you know, like, I don't know, four feet. And I'm like, oh my God. I have to, walk. <laughs> I have to do this 1,464 yeah, more exactly. times. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, gradually just every day I could, I could feel my body, you know, adapting a little bit more. And, you know, it, two weeks had gone by and then three weeks had gone by. And then, you know, by the fourth week, I was like, wow, I can make it, I can make it to the mailbox, to Mrs. Garrison's mailbox. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah you know so and that's really how it went for for my first for my first race i love that because i think you know starting with a very formal training plan can be very intimidating because first you just need to feel how you feel right you need to you need to just get those running feet going and right. then as you said just go a mailbox at a time Yep. And that's really what I did. I, you know, it, it's kind of hilarious. And they, my neighbors, everybody knows me in, in my town because it's so small. And, you know, I, I run all over the place all the time. They call me the crazy running lady, but, um, <laughs> but it's true. I would be like, you know, oh, Mr. So-and-so's mailbox to Mrs. So-and-so's mailbox. I did it. Like that's literally how I trained. I love it. I really do. So, okay. So your, your cousin was your first, so to speak coach. And then you mentioned that you met Beth Ann Telford and, and struck up a friendship with her. So yeah. How, yeah. how did that happen and how has she inspired you or shaped your thinking around racing? God, I could talk the rest of my life about Beth Ann Telford. Um, so my cousin um, is very good friends with her and actually, you know, people can Google her story. She's absolutely amazing athlete. She's a brain cancer survivor. She's an, she's an Ironman Kona finisher. I mean, she's, she's done multiple, multiple marathons. She's run the U S world marathon challenge, um, seven marathons, seven continents, seven days. Um, so my, my cousin ended up, um, training her uh, for, she wanted to run Boston and, you know, she didn't know how, what her fate was going to be. She was diagnosed with a glioblastoma, you know, the worst, most deadliest type of brain cancer we can have. Yeah. And, 
Um, so she really wanted to do it. And so my cousin kind of took her under his wing and, you know, developed this crazy friendship and they started training together. So after I finished, you know, the LBI 18 miler and I completely fell in love with running and became addicted to running, my cousin um, said to me, I, I want you to, to run Marine Corps marathon. I want you to do a marathon with me and I want you to meet you know, I, I run with this girl. Her name is Beth Ann Telford. I, I want you to meet her. She's amazing. She'll inspire you. And so that's exactly what happened. So um, prior to my first marathon, which was would be the Marine Corps Marathon, um, I went down to Virginia where my cousin lives. And we had uh, done a couple races together with Beth Ann. Her race for hope that she holds in D.C. Um, we ran the Army 10-miler together. Um, so... I, I met her and I just absolutely fell in love with her, her drive, her spirit, um, her determination. She's just, she's an amazing person. And I just, I said to her, I'm just in such awe of what you are showing the world can be done, you know, even through your trials and your, your treatments and your, I mean, she's, she never gives up and that's, you know, that's her motto, never, ever, ever give up. And so we became friends, uh, you know, just through my cousin mm -hmm. and then we started texting and, you know, we started talking on the phone and, um, she kind of just said, I, I want, I want to run your first marathon with you. I want to, I want to run by your side. I want to be there. And I, you know, the, the goosebumps like up my spine thinking, oh my gosh, like Beth Ann Telford's going to pace me for my first ever marathon. It just, it was just, it was wow. crazy, um, experience. And so we just, we met and we've been, we've been great friends ever since. What so, a great story. And, and amazing. What, yeah. So, so how did that first marathon feel? I mean, you had the best pacer Awesome. I did. I did. Yeah. I ran. Um, yeah. So 2010, uh, was my first ever attempt at 26.2 miles. And, um, it was a very warm day that day. We, you know, weather wise we had, it was pretty hot, but, um, she was running the Garmin. She told me that it, you know, she, um, just do what she does. And, uh, we ended up finishing in 410. Wow. 410. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was, totally happy with that, you know, as my first crack at, you know, 26 miles. And it was just an amazing um, experience. And my, co my cousin was there as well. So, you know, the finish line is Beth Ann Telford on one side and my cousin on the other, which amazing. Yeah. That race anyway, is so emotional um, just because of where it is and what it represents and the Marines all over the course and, just the outpouring of support that, that, that is given during that race, the blue mile for the fallen. I mean, it's, it's just a very, very, very emotional race. So it was, it was, it was a wild day. I'll, you know, I'll never forget it as long as I live. That's yeah. No, I, I've only done one marathon and I won't forget that one either for different yeah. reasons because it was really, really painful, but um, but I, you know, I had a lot of friends running the Marine Corps. So one of these days, actually, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but you know, I, when we first talked, I said, I don't think I don't, ha I don't think I have another marathon in me, but after speaking to you, I was like, well, maybe I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, because absolutely. It's in there. You, you have it. It's in there somewhere. You yeah. can't run one. I guess you can, but you know, it's for me, you know, it's so funny. Like a lot of people say that they say, well, what about just like the once and done? Like, okay, so you did it. Isn't that fantastic? And I'm like, yes, but it's, it's not enough. It's just, it's for me, it's just not enough. Like I, I know that I won't, you know, I won't stop until I, I, I won't stop running until something physically stops me from running. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I will say that my attitude towards running has evolved, you know, first it was just a tool to get me away from cigarettes and then yep. it became, you know, a supplemental exercise mechanism. And of course I'd go, and then I switched to triathlons and then, you know, last year it took off and I, came back to it with this totally new perspective and now I'm just all in, like it's all encompassing like Absolutely. I'm doing a podcast about it and I'm yeah. you know doing all this other stuff so. yeah I know it's it really it's amazing it's amazing yeah. what what it how it makes you feel and you know I I did one Ironman um half Ironman uh 70.3 and you know people say to me all the time well you know gosh, I mean, you know, you swam and then, and then, you know, you get off of there and you go on a bike and then, and isn't that enough? And I'm like that, honestly, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was, it was a wonderful day. It was a huge accomplishment. And I, I my medal is in my room and I'll never forget that day either, but it's not Boston. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's different things for different people. And it's what you're, you know, people said to me when I started training for that, you know, once you do one triathlon, you'll never, never not do them again in your life. My bike is still toppled over in the shed with that <laughs> Ironman 70.3 tag on it in the same position I left it in 2017, because it's not, it just wasn't, it, it just didn't set my soul on fire like running does. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's whatever you love. I, I completely agree. And, and it changes, right? Like I, as I said, like my, my aspirations for running are completely different now than they were 10 years ago. Yes. So, so, okay. You said, Mount, you said Boston, what is next for you? Is, is that on, I mean, we unfortunately know that Boston 2020 has finally been canceled and, um, yeah. What is your thinking around that? You, yeah, that's, that's where, that's, you know, what I am, that's my, that's my be all end all. I, I won't, I won't stop until I try it, you know, and it may kill me. And if it does, <laughs> that's okay. I'm good with that too. I will die trying to get to Boston. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things. I, I know it's cliche because everybody that's a runner you know, wants to run Boston, but you know, it, it's, I have to have something in front of me. You know, that's my personality. I can't, you know, I can run, listen, I can run, you know, three full marathons a year. That's not the, that's not the issue. I can run anytime. I can run in my backyard. I can run on the road, but I have to really in front of me for my personality type to thrive. I need to see, you know, I need to get there. I need to see that rainbow in front of me. And that right now is Boston. And then, you know, people say, well, what happens when you, what happens was after that? Like, what if you do it? And then what? But, you know, it's tough to get there. It, it, you know, I'm, I'll be 47 and it, it's, 
it's, it's tough to get there. You have to, or I'll be 46. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'll be 46 or 46. I don't know how old I am either. Doesn't yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. After a certain age, you forget. But, but my point is, you know, that age bracket is so tough. There's fantastic runners in, in that female category. And a 345 is, you know, it may take me 10 years to qualify for Boston. But if it does, I will love every minute of trying to get there is my point. Yes. Uh, I, and and that's that's where the where when you said that to me on the on the phone when we first talked and you said you know okay my age bracket this is the qualifying time that alone is something to aspire to you know because we get complacent with our running or at least I do I'm like okay I'm just gonna up my distance but really what I want to do is get faster because exactly. I'm accepting that I'm getting slower just because I'm older right but I don't need to accept that right right Right. And, and, you know, and that's, that's the beauty of, you know, that's one of the things that I love about running so much. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bittersweet when you're racing because you know, and I know, and every other runner that's going to listen to this knows, you know, race day is never the same. I mean, you know, I've showed up to races where, uh, you know, physically I didn't feel like I, I was going to set it on fire that day and surprised myself like you wouldn't believe and finished second overall female. I've shown up to races feeling absolutely fantastic, thinking I was going to blow the world on fire. And, you know, after mile two fell apart, you know, so that's the beauty of it is that you never know what situation you're going to get, what the weather's going to be, what the conditions are going to be, how your body's going to react. And you can train the same way, you know, 364 days out of the year and 365 show up on race day and something happens that you can't predict. And so, but that to me, those are the things that I, you know, I walk off of that course now and I say to myself, okay, what did we learn today? What can we change better tomorrow? What, what did you do out there that you think maybe, you know, had some kind of impact in the poor performance? What did you do out there that made you win second overall female? And, you know, you're going home with a smile that's as big as Florida. I mean, so, you know, these are the things that it's just ever changing and nothing is ever the same, but except your end goal. And, and your end goal is infinity for me. So... I, I don't know. No, I love it. I love that we're having this conversation because it was you who inspired me to think about it in that way, right? So, so how far away are you from the 345, do you think? Well, um, I have to shave a good 12 minutes off of my time, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's definitely, it, it's doable for sure. I, yeah. you, know, you know, I went from, you know, I had a, uh, you know, a four ten, I've and then I've had a really bad marathon where I've run, you know, heat ninety percent humidity, where I've run a four forty, and then the next year come back and I'm running a four oh one. So like yeah. my times are kind of like a little like, okay, Suzanne, get it together. Either like just run four forty five or run a four like but so I you know it's it's definitely I'm definitely getting faster for sure. Um especially in the uh, the shorter races, which I think are so beneficial and important to you know endurance runners like myself. Like I'm definitely, my body really wasn't built for five Ks. They drive me crazy. It's easier for me to run 16 miles than three, and that's the truth. Well, that's but, where you started, so yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but it's imperative. You know, you have to do those 
you know, quick races to, to condition your body. You know, I say this all the time. I literally would rather walk through a plate glass door than run on a treadmill, but I know that it's necessary. I know that it's necessary for speed. It's necessary for, you know, so it's, it's all of these things that I'm just trying to work out with my, you know, I still rely on my cousin and Beth Ann a lot. I mean, we talk all the time about, you know, how I'm going to, tweak things because Beth Ann always jokes and says she's, she's, uh, she's not going anywhere till she sees me cross the Boston finish line. So I love it. Um, you know, it's those type of things that, that you learn from and you just try to make those adjustments where you can. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Suzanne. And I, I love your, your determination because there's also one other thing I'm 44 and I'm like, we're never too old for any of this stuff. Right. No, no. We're, you know, and I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not accepting just cause I'm getting older that I need to get slower. But no. yeah, absolutely. I'd like to get faster. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's just, it's, it's just, it's a fire inside of you when you really, you know, when you, when you, when you think about it, I mean, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to have life give you limitations. And, and my whole life was like that. My whole life, I felt like life was just giving me nothing but limitation. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're limited. You can't do it. You're not worth it. Uh, you know, all the hell that I have been through in so many, so many aspects of my life. I mean, we could talk another four hours about that, but you know, the things that I have really experienced and, and that's the kind of funny thing is that not a lot of people know that about me. You know, they see me and they see that I'm athletic and they, they see me run races and they think, Oh my God, this girl, she's got it together. She's this, she's that, but they really have no idea the dark, dark hell that I had to climb out of to, to even get to half, half of that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. So it, it, you know, once you experience that, it, it kind of like, you really have to rebuild yourself from the ground up. And that's what I did. And, and I promised myself that I would never underestimate fear. That was my biggest, you know, that was my nemesis fear. I was instilled fear as a child. Don't go in the road. Don't ride a bike. Don't drive a car. Uh, you know, all of these things, you know, this will hurt you. Don't do this. Don't play in the mud. Don't go to your friend's house. Don't, you know, and then all of a sudden it's just, you, you awaken. And I'm like, I will never have anybody look at me and tell me that I can't do it again because, yeah. I, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, our childhood and upbringing, if we don't recognize it quickly enough, it, it can, it can pull us down a dark road. Yes. And, um, and it takes the longer you're on that long road, that dark road, the longer it takes to come out. So I completely, I'm, I'm admire you for how, for just like calling it and saying, this is it. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm never looking back and I'm starting something new. And that's kind of, that's kind of why we're talking because I, I had, I had a similar experience with smoking and I was, I, you know, I was mm -hmm. smoking two packs almost a day. And I was like, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. Right. And um, anyway, so, so running was my, my, my way of getting out of it as well. Um, yeah. But um, so let's, let's, shift gears a little bit you were sort of implying you know um you know recovery etc and, and you just recently started a new part-time 
job or or volunteer i've, I've no, yeah so it's a um so it's a job i it's a it's a paid job it's through um the state of new jersey um we have a grant it's okay the uh the opioid um recovery response program so i i basically take call on the weekends for um anybody that that has a substance abuse problem that crisis gets involved in mm -hmm. um crisis will call uh, our center and dispatch us to the hospital and then we we meet the client at the bedside and just offer uh peer support try to get them linked into treatment um anything we can do to 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 offer a helping hand a listening ear um you know so that's been a that's been one of my greatest joys uh recently because it's always been in the back of my mind to give back um you know and again my my sobriety people ask me all the time i mean i get messaged on facebook probably five times a day can you help me stop drinking how did you do it and if i really ever had to try to explain it to somebody they'd be like okay this this chick is nuts because i you know again um you know i don't do things the, <laughs> i don't do things the traditional way so uh, you know as a plethora of things that i did most of it which was on my own um because that's how i that's how i function best you know independently and i i'll figure it out myself but um so um but i knew that i i just wanted you know when i truly experienced the grace of sobriety and i finally you know had my i had my last breakdown in 2016 and i said that's it you know i i'm i i will never go back and it was a very um huge moment for me again that i couldn't explain um you know i was helping a friend move and I was absolutely obliterated drunk and woke up the next day, made one phone call to my brother and finally said it out loud to him. I said, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. And um, he, uh, he gave me the name of a counselor and he said, we'll do it together. And that's it. And I haven't, haven't had a drink since June of 2016. Wow. But um, so getting this job was, uh, very moving for me because i feel like there's no greater teacher than somebody who's who's been down you know been down the road and it's not to you know disrespect counselors and and people who have degrees that maybe who have never had an addiction problem okay that's good you do what you do but i i still don't care what anybody says the person that's pulled themselves out of addiction it really i think their words resonate more with another person that that's yeah. in trouble that you know maybe is afraid to talk to somebody or it it just i think the credibility means a little more and they they know they're not going to be judged you know it's it's the stigma you know we're all about the stigma like so um yeah so that's great i just actually became certified uh just took a course and now i'm certified for new jersey for that so congratulations thank you it's, it's been it's been exciting I'm, I'm hoping really to shift careers someday that's really i've been a nurse for 20 it'll be 25 years in august that i've been nursing and and i've enjoyed every bit of it but my heart my heart is in this and you know in a way i used to be very bitter and very resentful about my my alcoholism but now I actually thank God because I know he gave it to me for a reason and that's what I believe. And I believe that everything that I endured was for someone else. And that if I can help one person not destroy their life, then, then my heart is full. And that's truly the way I think. That is beautiful and, and true again, like I, that's, 
um, an amazing story and an amazing path and the fact that you are now seeing it in this light you know the fact that you've gone through it you've yep. experienced it you've recovered and now you're helping others recover yes i love it thank you so yeah let's we we're getting up to our 45 minutes here um so what has been your proudest moment in life and in running oh so this was a tough one I, you know this is a tough one to answer but i think you know, my running would be a two-part answer. I think the the, pr well, the proudest moment for running would be, um, first would be finishing my first ever 26.2. I think that's, that's a goal that, uh, you know, when you cross that finish line after, you know, training for that and, and really putting the work in, you never, you never forget your first big race. I mean, I've run, I can't, I can't even count how many races I have run since that, but, but that one will forever be in my heart. Um, and then the second best moment in, in uh, running would be when I was able to give back and help one of my dearest running friends cross her first ever finish line um, at Marine Corps again. Mm -hmm. um, and we, uh, we paced her and, and helped her uh, do the same thing that was done to me. And it's just, it's an incredible feeling, you know, when you see somebody just finish and cry and have that pride. Um, so I'll never forget that day either. I love it. Um, and then I think um, my, let's see, my proudest moment in life would be Watching both of my girls, I have two girls. Uh, one is one will be twenty, and my oldest will be twenty-three in August. But um, watching them both receive the Good Citizen Award uh, when they were in eighth grade, they each got it, and um, it was just for being an upstanding citizen and for helping kids feel comfortable in school and doing good things in the community and. Um, as a parent, you know, especially with my history, there's so many things that have run through my head about my, my, my children, you know, the love that I have for them, they'll never be able to know, but to watch them receive something that means so much in the community at different times, you know, was just the greatest joy I think I've had. That's beautiful. And, and I'm trying to keep it together right now. Cause when you said that they were eight, I was just like, Oh, <laughs> heart-wrenching and, and like touching um well okay so that said what were some of the most important lessons you learned in running in your running career between quitting drinking and now i think the the, the biggest lesson that i have learned is you know it's it's very easy to lie to yourself you know you can we can wake up every day and do it it, it but you have to at some point face your demons and you know you're you're your own worst enemy you know you you either are going to go out there and you're going to be truthful and you're going to tell your story and you're going to tell the truth and you're going to try to try to learn and try to grow or you're you're living this lie and and that that for me was just that that's what i lived in for so long is that Running has taught me that it's okay to be scared at times. It's okay to have fear. It's okay to not know, but, but there is purpose in every step that you take. And 
it really truly saved my life. It, it, it literally at some of the deepest, darkest moments of my life where I was absolutely craving that whiskey burn or that vodka burn. I, I mean, I, all I had to do was look at my shoes and my sneakers and I would just go out and I would run for miles and miles and miles and just think, Suzanne, don't lie to yourself anymore. You're worth it. And honestly, it, it truly, it truly changed everything about me. Yeah. I, I, I hear this a lot and, and this is again, why I'm doing this, but um, yeah, it, it changes when you, once you get over the fact that running is just running, it's not just running, right? It right. is so much more. And, and, and whether it be just simple meditation or whether it be like, processing whatever that crave craving is that that that's going through your mind whatever it is or anger frustration sadness yeah, all that can go absolutely. away from running absolutely and it teaches you true discipline i mean it, it becomes yeah. when it becomes who you are you know believe me there are many sundays that i'm you know i'm literally down in my living room tying my sneakers at 4 30 in the morning or five o'clock i mean i get up i still get up every weekend every early and i'm out and it, you know it you can you can easily make the choice to you know get the paper eat the pancakes do whatever and i'm not saying that that's not good once in a while cuz it is you have to balance and you have to live but it teaches you that when when it's who you become you're you're disciplined and then you're you know everything from that point of your day is just different yes you know it really is. I mean, it's, it's a mindset it changes everything about your mindset. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like, it's almost like my cup of coffee. Like if, if I don't have a cup of coffee, you don't want to be around me. Same thing with the run. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It could be a mile. It doesn't matter. I, as long as I get out there for a mile or two, everything's good in the world, but absolutely, you know, that's part of how I think my thinking around running has changed. You know, and one of the other key things that has changed for me is I think you have to learn to, to, you know, forgive yourself a little bit and not, you know, there are days when I go out there and I push and I push and I push. And then there are days where I truly don't even put my garment on because it's not about that. You know, we, that's the beauty of running and the different, types of ways you can run and how, you know, you can go out there and you know, you're in the race against the clock with yourself, or you may have had a bad day and you don't care what your time is. You just want to go blow off the steam. And so really forgiving myself for a, a lot of, um, you know, I used to criticize myself on poor performance. I'd be like, I should have run. I mean, I could have PR'd and, you know, and now I think really to get to Boston, that's one of the most critical things that I've had to learn. And, and Beth Ann, um, you know, told me that. And my cousin, you know, they said, Suzanne, it's, it can't always be, you can't always have the mindset that, you know, if you don't go out there and, and kill it, that you're an awful runner. Every runner has a different, you know, no one run is the same. So you have to really learn how to forgive yourself. And if you don't want to put your garment on, on Saturday, don't just go out there and look at this, look at the trees and hear the birds and whatever you want to do. But you have to learn that to really, to get to that frame of mind of just accomplish, you're out there, you're doing what you love. And that, that's really where my mantra comes from is that it's not about, all of this stuff that surrounds us and you know the 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 next best watch and the gels and the this and the that it's about 
this you are given a gift. Running is a gift. Your legs are a gift. Those miles are a gift, every single one of them. And it doesn't matter whether you run it in five hours or six hours or two hours, you are using your gift. Yeah. I love that. So as a last question, what would your advice be or what would you tell someone who says, I can't run or I can't eat healthy. I can't quit drinking. I will never run. You know, how would you recommend to people who are struggling to get started? Well, I think for one thing, you you really have to you have to stop complicating it for yourself. I was a complicator, a yo-yo dieter. When something didn't work in four seconds, I switched to the next thing. When that didn't work in ten seconds, I switched to the next thing. You have to just make small changes, you know, start somewhere and just, it's just every day. It's self-will, self-determination, whatever it is. And I find that when you look yourself in the mirror and you say, today, I'm going to do this. This is what I promise. Like I look in the mirror in the morning and I say, this is what I promise you today, Suzanne. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, it doesn't always happen very, but it usually does because when you're when you're in that mindset, you, you just, you make those promises to yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. Different people do things different ways, different body types, different diets work for different people. You have to find what, what just works for you and, and don't complicate it. You know, really just try to make those small adaptions to the people that say they can't do it to the people that say they can't stop drinking. I can't, I can't do it. You can, you can do it you can one day at a time just make again those small changes and however you you know this is my thing the world is full of so many options and i don't want anybody to ever think that they have to do something a certain way for the result to be there that's the biggest advice that i can give you you know you do it how you need to do it you the end game is the end game and that's what you need to focus on how you get there some people do this some people use aa some people use na some people want this some people want celebrate recovery Uh, whatever works for you some people want to sit in their basement and read a book and that's fine too so whatever gets you there right don't let anybody ever criticize you that it's not the right way it's your way and if you if you get to the end game that's what counts um, and as far as the running, you know, you, you can do it. I was 230 pounds, overweight, unhealthy, couldn't run to the bottom of my mailbox. And um, I don't know, I'm not the fittest, but I consider myself doing okay for, for where I am. You, yeah, you're doing pretty spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just do it and do it for the love of it. Do it, you know, do it for the right reasons because, you know, you have to have a good attitude about it. If you, if you wake up every day and you say, oh, I don't want to do it, then you're not going to do it. You know, you're going to go out there with a crappy attitude and it's going to stink. But when you wake up and you say, thank God for the gift of my legs, where can I go? Where can you take me today? Where are we going today? It's like a journey, you know? Yeah. Well, and every and I want to go back to the one day at a time thing because running is also one day at a time. Yes. You're not going to go out. Well, you might go out and run 18 miles, but you. <laughs> <laughs> but same thing. When you started, it was bottom of the driveway, and then yeah. it was the first mailbox, and it was the second mailbox. So it was the same thing for me. And 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 you know, as long as you do it, 
it's a practice like everything else. And you just, you know what, Antonio, you just said this, the key phrase, as long as you do it, because I feel like in today's world, you know, we see so much on social media and, you know, this place and that place and this magazine cover and this diet and this, you know, we just, we're, our minds are just overloaded with all this information and everybody wants you to do it their way. Yeah. And that is really, it, it's heartbreaking for, for, for us. It, it really, I mean, cause then you think, well, this person says I should do this. And this person said I should eat this to lose weight. And this person ran, you know, they ran their fastest half PR and they drank this and, you know, the bottom line is it's, it's exactly as you said, just get out there and do it for yourself. Play with what works for you and you'll get there. You'll figure out your own niche, run to, run to the end of the driveway, start there, start anywhere, but you have to start. That's it. Exactly. I really love talking to you and I could talk to you for another four hours. (laughs) Thank you. I enjoyed it too. You know, we have very similar personalities and, you know, it would be so fun if we, you know, qualified for Boston. Yes. Hey, you never know. I might hold you to it. We'll we'll get Telford. She'll take us. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me here today and and for a lovely conversation. Um, I love your story. And yeah, I like just keep on rocking. Yes, I will. No doubt about it. Thank you very much for having me on and, uh, you know, allowing me to, to tell my story. It means a lot to me because I want, you know, I want to give people the hope. I want to be the, the light in the fog for sure. Yeah. I love it. Suzanne, thank you so much. And, um, we'll have this live on Monday, the 28th. Great. Thank you so much. Gosh, I love doing this podcast. I get to speak with so many incredible people, and I swear I could have gone on and on with Suzanne. I could not only hear, but feel this complete 180 that running has done for both her body and her soul. She really wanna make me qualify for Boston, isn't she? Honestly, I hope she does, and that we might even get to run it together. If you're looking to replace your bad habits, such as smoking with running, and want to learn more about my program, Quit Smoking, Start Running, Go to my website, antoniadeheinrich.com, or join my Facebook group, Quit Smoking, Start Running. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to welcoming you to my next episode scheduled for Monday, July 6th. I think I got the date right right this time. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.